Welcome into the Brookline Baseball Club. I'm Tom Kapoor, joined as always by Peyton Doyle. Peyton, you're looking pretty snazzy today. How you doing? I thank you. You're looking wonderful yourself, as always. Uh, I'm doing pretty well today. Uh, no rain, which is always great. Pretty decent day outside, but there was no baseball, so a little down because of that. Yeah, well, this is a podcast where we talk about baseball. I think we're going to be on the YouTube video format for this episode, so you can see our beautiful faces, what we're up to on the daily. I got my my room behind me. It's pretty it's pretty lame, but Peyton, you've got some stuff behind you. Why don't you take us through a little bit of what's behind you in your background here before I get started? Oh, my my whole background. Um, Well, I'm in my head, you can see some baseball cards I have up there, um, some movie posters, and uh, an Eli Manning jersey. So that's um, that's what I got. Oh, so you're a New York Giants fan? That must uh, that must be that must be bad, you know, That's for your great. for your mental state on 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 a yearly basis. But this is a podcast where we talk about Northeastern baseball and Peyton. It was a couple of great games for the Huskies. They sweep the defending CAA champions, the Hofstra Pride. You were on hand for one of these games, so we're going to break down uh, this entire series for, and then we'll get into a little bit of the Towson series coming up and kind of where we think the the program is at this point. And Spoiler alert, it's pretty positive. It's a team that's 32 and seven right now. They're 13 and five in the conference. Like I said, they just come in and sweep the uh the defending CA champions, a team that was ranked third coming in. So we're gonna we're gonna go through each of these games individually. And game one, it was a six-one victory uh this past Friday, where Northeastern comes in and they get five early runs in the first four innings, and they don't look back from there. Aven Cabral, another stellar outing, kind of um, putting that outing from last week into the backseat and going seven scoreless innings. He does only strike out three, and he does walk one, which you don't see every day. So the strikeout-to-walk ratio is a little bit worse for wear there, but still only one walk to uh, three strikeouts and seven scoreless innings. And the theme that we will kind of talk about as we get through the rest of the series is that he gave up seven hits. This Hofstra team was getting on base a significant amount. When we talk about Eric Yost in the next game, Yost gave up 10 hits. So working themselves in and out of trouble, I think, is the key theme uh, for the Northeastern starting pitching here. What did you see from game one for the Huskies against the Pride? Well, it was great to see even bounce back. You know, he got roughed up a decent amount against Steinbrook and really gave Northeastern a chance to stay competitive. I mean, only allowing, well, allowing no runs. Uh, just one run given up by the team later on in the game. Northeastern scored eight on just eight hits, and that is great. One thing to know is Hofstra did not field well at all for this no. entire series. They had two errors in this game. I think they had three, one that wasn't recorded in the next game. Just really rough from them. Northeastern really took advantage, which I appreciated. Yeah, well, in that first game, the, the first run that uh, Northeastern scored, or I should say in the second game, they scored a couple of under runs. In the first one, Hofstra didn't play great defense. They weren't credited with any errors. The three errors came in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. This was a series that was supposed to be uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Weather on Sunday prevented it from uh, or created a Saturday doubleheader that Peyton, you were on hand for. I, of course, was not in the beautiful Freeman Diamond press box for any of these games, but I will be coming up in the Towson series. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And Cade Henry for Hofstra was just in trouble basically from the entire from the jump. I mean, eight hits in, in five innings, he gave up five earned runs and walked five. That's the biggest thing, I think. And one of the more important things for the Huskies is they're taking what the opposing pitcher is giving them, and that's free bases. And then you capitalize on those. The first runs that Northeastern scored was a Mike Sirota homer in the third inning to score at Luke Beckstein. We'll talk a little bit more about Sirota's our potential big bopper of the week here coming up as we break through the rest of the series. Luke Beckstein had a, a pretty clutch hit with the uh with two, with two runners on it or two runners in scoring position. He scored both of them on a single on a three, two count. How many times have we seen that from Luke Beckstein and in, in the big moments and in, in the big counts too? two strike counts to do that. Danny Krausen had an RBI single. And then 
In the eighth inning, Northeastern seeded one run. Uh, Hayden Smith came in to try and close out the game. He did not record a single out. And then head coach Mike Lavin opted to go with the stopper, Griffin Young, who got out of that jam and then pitched the ninth inning with uh, finishes outing with three strikeouts, only 27 pitches through those two innings. So overall, I think a great game one. And then we go to game two, Peyton. This was the game you were doing, game one of the doubleheader on Saturday, correct? Yeah, I was there for game one. I was there. So, with so overall, just impressions being in the box. This was your first baseball game, right? Like, what was it like being in that beautiful scenery in, in, in Friedman Diamond? What was like, take us through your thought process. It's my first baseball game this season. I've been there in the past, but I've not been that. You haven't been in that box, though. Yeah, I was not prepared for it. I was a little confused. Actually, I called you to get some help. You were very kind, walked me through the whole process um great view couldn't see i think it was right field bleachers that you could not see very well which is the only issue there um from right above the parsons field press box but it was a blast decent weather no wind which was unusual for parsons field and it was uh it was a blast yeah so this game too northeastern wins 14 to 5 and peyton i think you got it you got a couple good calls in here uh with uh the four run first inning for the huskies they scored two in the in the eighth six in the sixth so a lot of offense for Northeastern, but talking a little bit about the starting pitching here, Eric Yost had trouble. I mean, he gave up uh, four runs in his six innings of work, and he gave up a run in three hits in the first two innings. Like, in each of the first two innings, he gave up one run in three hits. He also gave up a homer in the third. But, hey, he weathered the storm. He got out of those jams with only giving up one run and gave Northeastern a chance to win because they were up – Northeastern was up 4-1 after one, but then Hofstra kept chipping away to make it 4-3, but then – those fourth and fifth innings are the most important here. Two zeros. That's a, that allows Northeastern to extend their lead. They get six in the six, and they don't look back from there. They get 16 hits, and Austria gets 15. But stranding runners in scoring position is what Yost did very, very well. And, of course, the defense for Hofstra didn't really help them out either. Overall, Payton, what did you see from Yost in this one? Because he's had a couple of great starts over his past two weeks of play, but this one was a little bit iffy, kind of up and down for Yost. Yost's command was still there. We know that's been his big thing this season. He throws the ball for strikes. Everything was in the strike zone. He didn't allow a single walk. The issue was that the Hofstra hitters just timed everything up perfectly, whether whether his fastball or his slider. Against lefties, he had the slider working pretty well, but then once he did that fastball, it's hit well in the opposite field. I mean, great hitting all around for Hofstra. They used all parts of the field. Saw lots of stuff go the other way. Yost has a pretty decent fastball. And just great job by him to work out of everything. As you said, Lots of guys left on base, 12 in total for Hofstra. They had 15 hits, and just to get five run- runs out of that is disappointing for them, but it's a great from Northeastern's defense and the pitching staff. Yeah, a couple names here to highlight in this game. I think Gregory Botzel's got to be mentioned. He hits his first career oh, yeah. home run uh, in this game, finishes with a really solid three-for-five day. He drives in two, scores three runs. Botso is a guy that's really steady behind the plate for the Huskies. He doesn't really flash as often as some of these top hitters, like you think of Sirota and Crossan and Lane, but he's always there. He's always getting those hits with runners in the scoring position. And this time he finally gets that first home run of his career. That was obviously a big moment. And I think I was listening to your broadcast, Peyton. And when you got, when you and Maddie saw Jordy Allard stepping out of the bullpen, it was, it was like pandemonium uh, in that, in that bullpen, seeing Allard get in for his first appearance in what feels like over a month and a half. I think his first appearance was the first or first series of the season against UNC Greensboro. Then he was, went down with an injury. He hasn't been seen since, but Two innings or two thirds of an innings pitch, two strikeouts to close up the ball game. That must have been a great moment there for Jordy Allard. Yeah, the team scored 14 runs, but the most excited they were was for Allard coming in for the bullpen. We heard screaming from the outfield at first. So, like, oh, what's going on? Then you look out and you see Allard coming in from the bullpen, and everyone out there, they 
love each other. They know he's been working hard to get back. And then the dugout was getting excited with every pitch he threw. And he really got to Hofstra. He K'd two, I believe. Yeah, he did two strikeouts and just nine pitches. That was great work from Allard. And really excited to see him back and really excited for him to work in the back end of this bullpen. Yeah, I mean, getting him back is huge. And getting him back to form, I think the most important thing will be huge for this team because we've talked about the bullpen and how I mean, it's been great. I mean, Patrick Harrington has struggled a little bit of late, but he had that three scoreless innings or, or three solid innings to close out game two of the doubleheader. He seems to be rounding back in the form. Of course, Griffin Young uh, holding things down back there. But outside of those guys, there isn't really that much. I mean, you think of Jack Beauchene, who's been he's he's been serviceable so far this year. James Maurice has command issues, but has a has a devastating slider. But getting an anchor in that back end of the bullpen, someone who's been here and done that playoff experience before, because Griffin Young and Patrick Harrington hadn't, haven't played D1 playoffs so far in their career coming over from a D3 team. Jordy Allard has done that. He was, he was the closer in the, uh, in the CAA tournament. Of course, he allowed Hofstra to walk him off uh, in that, in that CEA championship game with a hit by pitch. But other than that, he was, he was pretty locked down in the tournament. So getting him back is absolutely massive. And I think we'll see him, gradually get into a, a more high leverage role. I don't think they're going to throw him in, you know, a, a bases loaded jam in the bottom of the ninth inning uh, with, with the team up by one run. I don't think that's going to happen uh, at least in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think as we get into the playoffs or as we get into the home stretch of the season, Allard's going to be even more important. And we talked about this last week, the Northeastern schedule, it's kind of in a, not necessarily a lull, but there's not those two midweek game weeks that there were three straight in as we go into the final half or final stretch of the year, Northeastern's going to have a couple of those midweek games coming up. They, they've got one over in Maryland. Um, so the bullpen's going to be even more pivotal than it already is uh, g- going forward. So getting Allard back is absolutely huge and seeing him pitch the way we know we can, we know he can pitch, I think is, is one of the bigger things as well. Uh, overall for Northeastern Yost gives up 11 hits uh, in, in his six innings of work. He strikes out just three. Jack Beauchene comes in for two solid innings. Michael Gemma tries to uh, close out the game in the ninth, but he walks to gives up a hit and then Jordy Allard shuts it down from there uh, for the final two outs on offense. Mike Sirota, Goes two for six. He uh, had a big day. He stole a base um, for the Huskies. Alex Lane gets a gets a home run to tie his career record at 12. He would then break it uh, in game two of the doubleheader. I mean, overall, this was a great game for Northeastern and a real a real offensive explosion. Uh, 14 runs against the defending defending uh, CA champions champions is pretty impressive. Of course, Hofstra was 17 and 20 at the time. So it's not like we expected Northeastern to have too much trouble, but still it's a CA game against a, I mean, this is a Hofstra team that returned at least in a 90% of their starters from the starting lineup and pitching from the CA tournament last season. So this is still a good team, but Northeastern just proves that they were that much better. Yeah. Really tough pitching staff for Hofstra. They haven't really, I know they don't have an ace. Their team Mare is after this series is up near eight on the season in Northeastern. I, I was impressed with both their offense. They did everything. They had eight extra base hits in that first game. They also had five stolen bases. I mean, Danny Crossing gets two. Yeah. And they were running when they were up by nine as well. So they were showing that they were not done. They wanted to put it on Hofstra, who beat them last year. Definitely a little bit of a chip on their Perhaps. shoulder after the CA tournament for sure. Oh, yeah. And, and it was going nice. in. Uh, and then going in for game two of the doubleheader here, Northeastern gets another win. They sweep the doubleheader and sweep the series with an 8-1 victory. And I think the story of this one has to be either Cam Maldonado or Jake Igliotti. We'll start with Jake Igliotti here. Six scoreless innings, his best performance of the season, and it's not particularly close. Uh, he, he's had great performances where, you know, the, the BC game, 
um, where he went five shutout. But this one seemed a little bit different. It seemed like he had that biting stuff a lot better. He had the command, but he also had the swing and miss stuff. Eight strikeouts in six innings, only 73 pitches. He gets eight strikeouts, gives up just two hits in a scoreless outing. Then Patrick Harrington goes three three innings, gives up just one run and strikes out two to close out the ballgame. Overall, Cam Maldonado hits a, hits a couple of home runs. Mike Sirota gets one. Danny Carrasen gets one. And then Alex Lane, just the cherry on top in the eighth inning to break his career home run record with 13. A great game for the Huskies here in game two of this doubleheader. Peyton, were you on the air for this one? I was not. No, Matty and I went to game one. Oh, that's so sad. Well, Northeastern still got the win. I think overall, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily say this was a statement making series sweep for the Huskies, but I think it's close. It's up there with that kind of importance because this was, I mean, next week they got Towson. This should not be a series that Northeastern struggles with. I think getting this CAA win was was pretty big. And and yes, it was game two of the doubleheader, but Jake Gliotti going six innings in the in the second leg of a of a doubleheader is absolutely huge because that protects your bullpen, right? And Patrick Harrington going three does the same thing. So overall, this was a great win for Northeastern. Like we said, uh, Sirota, Maldonado, Crossan, and Lane all homering. Just, uh, I mean, a power surge of all power surges for the Huskies here in game two. Yeah, I think we knew Northeastern could hit, and they've shown that all season long, but this series really showed that they have the pitching staff to compete for a CAA championship. They held Hofstra, who was the number fifth offense in the conference, just seven runs across three games. That is really impressive, especially with Wyatt Scotty being out. For the series, he did not pitch in any of the three games. He is their Good ace, point. and yep. not having him and still holding a really solid offense to such a low scoring total is really impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, you, it's a good good point there with Wyatt Scotty. He's uh, with what is reported to be a short term upper body injury. So, we'll see if he slots back in against Towson. I, I don't know if he will. I, of course, don't know the details of this injury, but given that it is Towson, it may be smart to just give him another week off and, and have him get started against UNCW, which is, of course, probably the biggest CEA series Northeastern is going to play uh, up to this point. Of course, College of Charleston is coming up to close out the season. But overall, you mentioned the pitching staff, Peyton. This is a pitching staff that uh, starters and bullpen that has the fourth best ERA in the country. That's not the conference. That is the country. This team ERA is 3.41, which is by far lowest in the CAA, but fourth lowest in the NCAA as well. And the, the team has 74 homers in 39 games, which is 11th most in the country, 19 more than UNCW, so the highest in the CA by a large margin. It's just unprecedented what this Northeastern team has been able to do here uh, of late. And, of course, just throughout the entire season, they they notched their 32nd victory, I believe, uh, after this sweep, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they're 32-7. and seven. That breaks their win record from last year, where they went 31-29 uh, with, I think, one or two ties in there. So already have more wins than they had last year. They, I think I'm trying to do quick math. I think they have 10 times the amount of home runs that they did last year, or maybe eight times. Uh, if it was nine, if 10, if it was seven, I don't remember that off the top of my head, but overall just miles and miles better than how they were last season. And we'll take a quick look forward, but first pain, any other takeaways from this Hofstra series for you? Well, Northeastern is now uh 14th in runs per game. And that's your 14th in, sorry, runs overall after playing 39 games. Um, and yet this team is not ranked in the top 25 by D1 baseball. Um, I think they had the second most wins in the country. I think Peyton, I said this would happen though. You, hey, um, you said this would happen. I said, just give them one more series. If they can, they'll sweep. I don't think if they're not ranked now, I don't think a, a sweep against Towson is going to, is going to put them over the hump. I, I, I just don't. 
Well, you're a negative Nancy is what you we, are. It's not being a negative Nancy. It's 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 factoring and, and in the quality of opponents. Be... We've seen in the RPI that, of course, ranking an RPI different, but we saw in the RPI that winning and beating Hartford actually didn't help Northeastern because of the quality of opponent. You know, so these things have to be taken into consideration. I think once we go into UNCW, once we see Maryland, I think there's going to be more of a chance that happens. But when we talked about it last week, we said Towson, the, the Towson series, the Hofstra series, and the Stonehill game, we thought if Northeastern can run the table in those games, or you thought, I, mean, I, I, I disagreed, but they, they can maybe be ranked. If it didn't if happen against Hofstra. six and seven, they're going to be ranked. You can't not rank them. But the, like I, I'm going to say the exact same thing I said last week, Peyton. The record has never been the issue for Northeastern. Never, because they, they've had a great record you the entire year. You can't ignore the record now. But I don't think I don't think the record was being ignored. I think there's just other factors at play. I don't necessarily I think, agree I with those ignored. factors. I'm just I'm just saying I think it just is what it is. It'd be a let me do some let me do some counting here. All right, Payton's. Um, it's time sorry, for Payton's math corner. Right, eight-game winning corner. streak. A team that's on eight-game winning streak. They'll yep. probably be top ten in the country in runs and runs against. I think they have the third most wins in the entire NCAA at this point. It's either second or third, and they're probably going to be second or first after playing. I'll say it, not good teams. But to have, I feel like we big, we've had this conversation about Northeastern in like all sports so many times because the the strength of schedule well they just get isn't ranked there. in other sports. The strength of the schedule just isn't there, and they've had they've only had two ranked opponents. Or what do you mean all points. sports? What do you mean all sports? They get ranked like, in hockey all the time. No, my my point being that my point being Peyton that you know when when we talk about high ranked games for Northeastern hockey. There's always the caveat that Northeastern's record doesn't reflect the quality of opponents that they've played, or I should say that they haven't played those quality opponents. I think back to women's hockey, they played two games against the ECAC, uh, which is one of the best conferences in the in the country, and then no games against the WCHA, and then Ohio State goes in and blows their doors off in the NCAA tournament. That's what I'm talking about. They don't have that experience against the best teams in the country, and Northeastern doesn't. They just don't. I mean, they played a ranked team in BC at the time. I think they were 16th, and then UConn. I think they were 18th when they played them. So About it's Duke. not like they're getting like I, I remember last year, NC State was ranked top 10 in the country, right? Yeah. All right. They played, they played Clemson and so NC State last year. All right. They, you're right. It's not happening. They still played Duke. They've played BC. They played UConn. They're going to play Maryland. USF and UNC Greensboro are decent. But yeah. They don't have the NC State and Clemson games that they did last year. Also, that. But this team's better than that team. And right, all of that show. We, we know they're better than that team. But do people that don't cover the team know that they're better? Yeah, but just looking at the numbers, look at you know, the I numbers. I think I think we we agree on the pivotal points of this discussion that they should be ranked. I think we disagree that it's going to happen after the Towson series. I just don't think it will. If it does, then we'll go on the Brookline Baseball Club next week, and I'll buy you a, a cup of coffee. You know, they're like, nine. Like, they're nineteen and two out of conference play. We, we these are these are things that we agree on, Peyton. There's no need to discuss these. You're saying these, like if you're talking about how bad the CAA is, they're playing other like decent teams, and yes, yeah, some are mid majors, but they're playing. I good agree. Other teams. I agree. The 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 thing your that I'm disagreeing that, with you about is, is that, that they're not. I don't think they're going to be ranked after Towson. Fine, then after Stonehill, if they right. are, they have thirty six. You're you're moving the goalposts here a little bit, Peyton. No, like last week I said after Stonehill, we got to thirty six and seven. That they have thirty six wins and seven losses on eight game winning streak. They're going right. to have. We'll see. Hey, we'll, see. Be we'll, we'll, we'll record. We'll record next week's podcast after the Stonehill game, 
And if they are ranked, then I'll go on here and, and say Peyton is the best at that won't be the show or something, which isn't true, but I'll say it anyway. Um, don't have to lie. Yeah, I just know right now I'm telling the truth. This is what's going to happen. Okay, we'll 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 put it on the board as our as our Brookline Baseball Club first bet of the podcast here. Uh, we'll get the WRBB Sportsbook odds on that. No, we don't. We don't talk about that actually. You know what? No, strike that from the record. That's uh, we're we're going to cut that out. We're not going to cut Be- it out. because we're experts. I, ed- I edit the episodes. We're not allowed to bet on uh, CAA baseball. It's also a, yeah. a rule that yeah. everyone should have. CAA sports don't bet on them. Don't bet on the CEA. I feel like uh, uh, one of the one of the better podcasts of all time, Husky Hoops, uh, used to say that. Said it very often, and it goes right over to baseball. Do not bet on this conference. Yep. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Game Three here. The Huskies lit up last year. CEA tournament MVP Brad Camarda, uh, to the tune of six <laughs> runs over six and a third innings. They hit four homers off of him, and I think I think we really covered most of uh, what what to talk about here against Hofstra. I think. There isn't really that theme of like resilience that we talked about last week because they one they swept and two they weren't really behind. I don't think they were behind at all in this in this series. I know the, the doubleheader they weren't. Um, well, they were. They were in the first game, yeah, because they because Yost gave up the one run in the right. Top of so, okay, they they were behind after one, and then they scored those four runs. The, the yeah, they scored four the runs in the bottom of the first, and then they so were the, not. There, there is that that resilience there uh, to get back in the game, but. Overall, a great series for Northeastern. I think they they continued what they did against UConn. Um, it was the UConn game, and then the and on Tuesday, and then the and then the Hofstra series. So overall, a great a great stretch for Northeastern. Uh, and then and then we look forward to Towson here, Peyton. And this is not a Towson team that will strike fear into the hearts of anyone. Currently, this is terrible. Currently, they're twelve and twenty eight. They're three and fifteen in the conference. But hey, you know what? They did defeat Monmouth eighteen to five. They did beat Elon. Uh, in the first game of their series back uh, in March. Is the second worst team in the conference. I'm just saying they have some wins. And, and Elon beat Northeastern. So, you know, by the transitive property, maybe maybe Towson's better than than the Huskies. Both of, both of those series were in March. I don't... Yeah. This is yeah. April baseball. That's true. This is April baseball. Well. We're marching toward the end of April, actually. It's going to be the start of May soon here in Boston. And that means... And that means ranked Northeastern. That means ranked Northeastern. You know what? We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, overall, Towson, there isn't too much to be concerned about. Um, Justin Justin Reebok and Ethan Pecco are fine starters. I don't think they have the best ERAs. I don't think Northeastern can have any trouble. I think we'll see if Wyatt Scotty comes back. I think that's probably going to be the big storyline here. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about, I don't think we need to talk about Towson too much here, uh, Peyton. Cam Maldonado. We talked about him last week. He did nothing to dissuade our chats about him this week because he had two more homers. He leads the CEA in batting average, OPS. He has the most steals. He has the highest slugging percentage as a rookie. I remember us saying last week that Mike Sirota may be one of the best rookies we've ever seen in the CAA. I think Cam Maldonado is putting together something real special here this season, and it's it's going to get even better going forward here for Maldonado. Hitting, I mean, obviously leading the team in those categories, but leading the conference too, and he's he's up there in the top 20 in the country in batting average with that 4-9 and nine mark. 18 of 18 on the base pass is pretty impressive when you throw in nine homers as well. Maldonado is is just on another level uh, in, the, in the past month of play. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has won uh, Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year in the CAA in the past, but I think Maldonado is going to do that this year. He is one of the best base runners, the best best hitters for power, one of the best hitters for contact. Um, he's re- he got a great arm in right field for Northeastern. Uh, the only thing that will think him is he hasn't played in all of the team's games. He didn't start right away from Northeastern. He 
He's played in 36 games, started 35, but um, yeah, he's the best player in the conference. And it's not just, oh, he had a hot start. He's uh, currently hitting near 400. So, yeah, uh, he's sustaining the production, which is the biggest thing to do in the, in this sport. The biggest thing to do is sustain production. And, you know, any great player can have a have a great two weeks, but it takes a truly great player to do this over a full season. And that's what Maldonado is primed to be doing. Um, and he's just a freshman. We talked last week about Maldonado and Avon Cabral being two of the best players on this team, respectively hitting and pitching. And I mean, uh, Avon Cabral, seven scoreless Maldonado, two homers uh, in the series, not doing much to dissuade that. Northeast. This is a, a relatively short episode here for us in the Brookline Baseball Club. Looking forward, we have the Towson series, then Stonehill. We'll probably record after the Stonehill game happens, so then we can um, recap those games, and we'll have a media member from UNCW on the podcast to preview that series, so we'll do that a little bit more in depth. Then right after that, we will have a media member from Maryland to recap or to preview the Maryland game, so that'll be a couple of great episodes coming up for us. Payne, anything else to talk about here for Northeastern Baseball before we sign off? Uh, just get on, get out there to Parsons, you know, senior day is this Sunday, be there. And I just want everyone to, uh, stay happy out there. Stay happy out there, folks. Indeed. That's going to do it for this episode of the Brookline baseball club. I've been Colin Kapoor, Peyton Doyle here with me. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.